1: Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making your way here, checking out the series and this episode. Please do hit the subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out. Three every single week. It's a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So you can keep up to date on your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world at all the usual spots like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Merida. Today I'm talking with the Goo Goo Dolls' Johnny Resnick about the band's new uh, Rarities compilation. In fact, uh, we're going to dive deep into the lost art of the B-side and the idea of their biggest hit, Iris, uh, starting as a B-side itself on the City of Angels soundtrack. And further on that subject, uh, Resnick's also going to remember their long string of soundtrack cuts from... uh, from Freddy's Dead, Ace Ventura, where they cover NXS's Don't Change, makes a live appearance on this uh, new compilation, and Batman and Robin, uh, to more recent releases for the uh, Transformers movies and Finding Neverland. Now, we're also going to get into their changing sound that's happened over the years, going from punk in their early days to the mainstream success uh, with pop rock. And uh, and also, that sort of ties in to an album, the brand new studio album, that'll come out next year in 2022, that, uh, Resnick says, Harkens back to their earlier, more raw way of writing and recording. So, enjoy this one. It's Kyle Meredith with the Goo Goo Dolls. Hi, uh, you all are back with a new compilation. This time it's uh, it's the Rarities compilation, which <laughs> is kind of a cool little thing. It, it almost plays like, I guess, uh, t- just for definition's sake, right? Uh, like you, you've got the idea of b-sides and this is sort of that but it's also sort of like the alternate versions of your greatest hits in a way is that right
2: yeah it's kind of strange we um the whole idea for 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 it came when i, I went to my manager's office and uh back in the 90s i don't know if you're old enough to remember this but back in the 90s they used to have uh, dat tapes they were mm-hmm. called E-A-T tapes digital audio tape and uh everybody would put Everything on there. So we had all a bunch of masters on there, demos. We would demo on these DAT machines and things like that. So, um, so I went to my manager's office. He was moving stuff around, and he pulls out all these boxes of DAT tapes. He's like, "Yeah, I don't know what to do with these things. I don't, I don't have a DAT player." So I went on eBay and I bought him a DAT player. And uh, and I was just like, you know. And then he said, "You know, I want to put together a bunch of these and." Put them out so so it was really his idea yeah you know, he, he picked it or i was i was told curated it <laughs> it's
1: the fancy it's fancy version of uh i just picked the songs yes yeah, it's, it's uh... it curated <laughs> it is a cool thing it, it did get me thinking a lot about b-sides though and um so I am, uh, to, to sort of answer your question, I am old enough to remember dads. Uh I'm sure I may have one or two still around here. I definitely still have uh, an entire cassette collection oh, yeah. from the older days that, uh, you know, and uh, surrounded by CDs and everything else. But especially in those time and in even more specifically in, you know, from the 45 era, era maybe jumping because the single era wasn't as big, but into the CD era, the B-side, I mean, it's sort of a lost art now. Yeah you know, like for, for you all coming up, like, was that just part of like, you had to think about when you wrote an album, was it like, Oh, and these leftovers will be used for something, you know, soundtracks. Was that part of it?
2: It was kind of, it was kind of like, I never, we don't have a lot of B-side material because if I don't like something, I don't feel like it was good enough to make the record. I generally chuck it and that's the end of it. But um, I, you know, like this, this last Piece of work that we're working on now because we're putting an album out next year i mean you know i have like 25 songs so i'm kind of like well finish them all and just you know see what happens and and put the ones that fit together best on the album and save the rest for whatever you know but, but i was very very hard on myself as far as well why is it a b-side because it wasn't good enough to make the record well then throw it away uh, you know it's like sort of some strange idea of quality control that I had, you know.
1: But See, that's not exactly how I, as a fan, I, I say this, um, come up, because, like, B-sides are are treasure hunts for me, you know. It's it's finding the gems. I mean, in a sense, I also count soundtrack cuts as, as B-sides in a way. And is it fair to say that, you know, the Goo Goo Dolls' most famous song, Iris, is a B-side. It starts as a B-side.
2: It's It kind of starts like a B-side, yeah. Yeah, I guess it, it started, well... It started more as an album track because what I, like a deep cut, because when when uh, the music supervisor for that film uh, asked me if I'd be interested in doing a song, I was like, okay, who else is on the album? And he was like, well, it's gonna be you 2 and Peter Gabriel and Alanis Morissette. And I was like, well, I have to get on this record because I wanna be on a soundtrack with all these people. Um, you know, and, and we had had one hit, you know, which was relatively big hit, but, uh, um, you know, I just wanted to be in that kind of company, you know what I mean? And uh, and I, I never expected that song to just blow up like
1: that. And there it is. And, and, and again, for it to still be such a calling card on top of that but that wasn't I mean by far that wasn't your first foray into soundtracks either I mean I'm I'm looking back over the list going back to well let's start because I want to bring up a few of these and they kind of work themselves into the new album that we're talking about too but Freddie's dead you know so that sort of begins the soundtrack venture for and you've done a lot of soundtrack and we're talking about the song I'm awake now and there's a few more I think there's some uh, album cuts that made that too yeah um I don't know if you want to jump back that far in the time machine because we're looking at what like 90 what was that 91 one, two, something like that
2: oh I think it was like 90 91 I don't know I don't know yeah
1: remember. so how did you all get a part of that one because what an interesting we're talking Freddy's dead is actually the uh the soundtrack
2: yeah I mean it was it was the last of the Freddy Krueger movies and it had sort of it was such a cult thing you know and and uh and and there's so many pe- cool people involved in the project that we were just like yeah let's do this let's have fun with it you know I, I, a lot of a lot of things too are just like not taking yourself too seriously i mean there's a time to take yourself seriously in what you do but there's also a time where where you know you you have to be able to you know lighten up a little bit you know and 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 the movie was so silly you know? it, was, it was so much fun to do you know you know so, so that was the the, the the impetus for doing that was just to be part of this kitschy, weird thing.
1: Right. And like I said, and that sort of becomes its own alternate version of your all's career. You know, as I, I look down and I, I, it turns out I have most of these here. Uh, Tommy Boy, you're on that one with uh, Wait for the Blackout. Of course, uh, Fallen Down ends up on the Son-in-Law soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ace Ventura, which, uh, you know, I was talking about wrapping around to this Rarities record. You That's where Don't Change originally comes from. Yep. Now you've got the, a live version on the rarities. Where does that come from?
2: I, you know what, I can't remember. I can't remember where we played it. I mean, like, I mean we have just played thousands of shows and I can't remember where that was from, but I know it was definitely really fast. It's like we had a thing uh, when we were younger, when we were, when we were kids, it was just like whenever we played live because we grew up in that, in that underground kind of punk scene and you didn't, you didn't take a break in between songs because you didn't want to hear people screaming at you and uh and you played really fast and you moved around a lot because you're dodging bottles and cans and whatever else and uh and um you know that and but for some reason the energy live because you you're you got a mosh pit going in front of you and everything's going crazy you immediately feed off that energy and you start playing like way too fast you know so but uh but I love that song that was that was probably one of the first songs I saw on MTV as a kid was the video for that song and I was mm-hmm. like, this is a great song, you know, and uh, I rem- even being, you know, 15 years old, you know, and trying to teach myself how to play it on guitar because it was such it's just such a well written song, you know,
1: like I love NXS and I love plenty of parts of their catalog but that's still to me that's still the best in excess song that's oh, yeah. my favorite anyway I should say oh, yeah. mine too mine too you know hearing what you all do for that I like the speed that's always something um you know I think we came from similar backgrounds at different times uh yeah. I think I'm about a decade behind you but uh but you know that that was always the thing like I don't know whenever I heard it live I liked it sped up I always wanted it yeah. sped up Yeah, you know?
2: <laughs> it's really funny because I was I, I I got a lot of uh when I was you know, uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, we had the local record store and they had like a whole section of bootlegs and uh, getting these cassette bootlegs of like the Clash live, you know, and things like that. And you're just like, and I was like, wow, it's so fast. And, and it's not perfect, like the record, you know what I mean? It's like right. year, all the mistakes and all that, you know. And that was really, that was really exciting. There was, you know. The ones that I would like to get a hold of are CBGB's used to record everything on a, a multi-track. multitrack. Um, and I wonder where all those tapes are, because I mean, every cool band you can think of had a recording
1: done. Right. That, you know? Right. Why haven't those been released yet? That's true. Why? Yeah, I don't know where
2: they I don't know where they would be.
1: We're sending that out here. We're going to manifest that one right now. Let's just put that out of the world.
2: <laughs> can you imagine if they had a whole series of those? It'd be incredible. Seriously
1: yeah yeah or they would sound like shit who knows well,
2: it's- <laughs> the floor, but there's something charming
1: about things sounding like shit absolutely
2: we were talking yesterday about uh when we were going when we were going through some of the dat recordings of uh of our band some of the epic train wrecks that we had on stage where it's just like literally you count one two three four and the drummer's playing a different song than me and and you- <laughs> because somebody handed him the wrong set list and it just gave me an idea wouldn't it be great if you could get enough bands to actually cop to it Uh and put out a compilation of epic train wreck by every band you know because every band's got them I mean I I saw you know I've seen huge bands and just poof just a disaster on stage you know and sometimes it just happens but you know, it's it's that's a humbling thing. It always makes me laugh.
1: In the digital era that we're in, it'd be so easy to do that. Like you're not you're not wasting physical you know products on, yeah. on you know because that might deter somebody. Like in the in the digital space, you just throw that stuff out there. It's yeah, so easy. Throw,
2: throw it out and like you know I you know and have a I thought it would be really great just to get like a few quotes from the artist about it and uh, and put it out there. I thought it would be really really fun.
1: I would love to hear that it was because as you're saying it like I'm going through my mind of some of the ones I remember seeing like uh, there was I I fell down a YouTube rabbit hole recently and um, it was like an MTV music awards maybe and it was Rob Zombie and his band I don't know if it's White Zombie it might have been but uh, they were up there and it was like I can't imagine because you're on one of the biggest stages at the time in the 90s you know doing this and again, I don't think everybody could hear what was going on, the earpieces yeah. maybe, and everybody's on a different beat, and yeah. Rob's up there just trying to do his best to get through the song, and it's like, it's horrible. Yeah. And it's so fun to watch.
2: It's awesome, it's, a, it's, it's really <laughs> awesome, it, it, you know, it's human. <laughs>
1: Well we talk about those early days and there are a few of those moments that also make this rarities compilation here with uh, with Girl Right Next to Me and another second time around, we both get uh, acoustic appearances mm-hmm. uh, on this one right here. You know, for a lot of fans, there is sort of the dividing line of your career. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Boy Named Goo and you know, everything before, maybe it's after, you know, just depending on where mm-hmm. you kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. Like for those tracks right there to be hearing this and hit and miss as well, you know, from those older days, Around that time, I mean, the songs do be become, especially with a girl right next to me, another six down around, they do start to be a little bit more popular than the earlier stuff. Yeah. Could you feel that door opening, the next chapter happening as you were doing it? Was that really obvious to you as we can hear it now in hindsight?
2: Yeah, I mean, because you know I what was really interesting is like we went out and you know, for the first nine years of our career, we were we were traveling around in a van, sleeping on people's floors. You know, I mean, and so you learn a lot. You're exposed to a lot of different people, and yeah, if you're staying at someone's house on the floor, you know, you you have to, uh, you know, you stay up with them. So, so I got to make. So I, I started like uh, bringing cassettes with me and and making mixtapes of other people's record collections, and people would turn me on to all this different music. So. So I started being exposed to a lot of music besides just the, the quote-unquote punk thing, you know? And, uh, and my roots were always based in like, you know, I grew up loving The Stones and The Kinks and The Who, uh, you know, and, 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 and uh, Bob Dylan and, you know, John Prine, that was the music that was listened to in my house, you know, uh, growing up. Cause I got older sisters and, and along with Peter Frampton you know, and uh, Godspell playing nonstop. <laughs> so, ah. But but um, there was a lot of different influences that sort of started to connect as I began to learn the instrument and 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 try to evolve as as you grow up. You know, because it's literally, you know, starting this band when you're like 19, you know, or 20, or whatever, and. Um, you know and, and you just start out doing one thing and and all of a sudden I just didn't I didn't want to play just this super fast loud stuff you know I there were other topics and and styles of music that were interesting to me and I never felt like I had to stick to one kind of thing you know which people gave us a lot of crap for that you know but I mean you know either way it doesn't matter it's like it's like it's like if we stayed exactly the same and kept making the same kind of music people would have been like okay we're sick of it and if you change what you're doing on a natural sort of you know uh, path then people instantly assume you're selling out and trying trying to get famous and rich you know <laughs> but you know you can't
1: win even when you're winning I mean, that's, that's...
2: You, can't, you can't win so you just ignore everybody <laughs> you do what you want you know and that's that's one of my favorite things about where I'm at in my career—I mean, we're like on our 14th record, I think—and uh, you know, I'm taking my time with it. I went back to I, first of all, we did we did the majority of the album on analog because I felt like in the digital world you have too many tracks. Mm-hmm. You can, i can have 200 tracks to to—and then you just there's just too much crap on the album. And I was fortunate enough to listen to old, old uh, Al Green and um, Queen uh, multi-track tapes, and how they shared the tracks. Like a vocal would share the track with a shaker, and you had to make decisions. So it you have to make decisions in the digital world. You can just pile everything up all day long, and um, and I felt like the records were sounding too thick, you know, and they didn't, they didn't breathe. So we went back in the studio, we found this old church up in Woodstock, went up in there and Robbie and the drummer and I, Craig and the drummer and I, we would just stand out in this church and just, and I had ideas for songs and we would just play and play and play and just let them evolve into something and just say, okay, well, we're not doubling anything. I mean, so the, album, the album's got a really interesting kind of push pull that occurs live more than in the studio because you can fix everything. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to be um, flawed in, in certain ways because I think that, that that's something that people don't hear a lot anymore. Mm. Because I mean, it's like the producers now are the rock stars. You know, um, and the rock stars are busy creating a brand rather than being artists. So, you know, I decided I'm taking a left here, and I'm just going to go back to the way I used to do it. You know?
1: So, so what you're talking about right now? Are you talking about the new record?
2: Yeah, the new record that's coming
1: out next year. So this is this is more of that analog sound. That's that's really really interesting. Yeah, you so. know, and
2: I'm I'm a I'm a a com- I'm an obsessive collector of vintage recording equipment, and um, and uh, microphones and things like that. So we we you know we we talked to a lot of older guys that are engineers and and my engineer Chris he he's thirty but but for some reason he's just so in tune with what was going on in in sixties and seventies in recording. And, and it's really, it's exciting to work with that, like that, because it's like, how do we make this sound? Now, that being said, at some point we had to merge in some digital, you know, because there's just some crazy, crazy like sounds that I, I wanted to create that you can only kind of do in the digital world, you know, with the plugins and you can manipulate the sound, you know, and, you know, guitars are not, you know, it's not like big loud guitars are not you know very in style but so I put some on there and uh, and uh, um, but you know I'm I'm evolving as a guitar player too you know and I and I use effects and things like that to create more sonic landscapes than just you know three chords you know
1: I think you're on the right track and and, and I say this based on nothing except some gut instinct that there's something about guitar because yes. it has been away for a little while mm-hmm. that I'm starting to to hear the excitement in some yes. artists who are using it again you know mm-hmm.
2: it's I think it's great I mean you know what band I love is um, uh, that band inhaler I Bono's kids the singer and is it that right I didn't yeah, know that. it's and you can tell these kids are like a real band it's like it's 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 really fun to listen to um, because it has that naivety and, and um, you know, it, and it's just this, that that feeling when you're a kid and you're in a band, you're like, we're the greatest band in the world, we're the greatest band in the world. And you're so convinced. And then, you know, and then people, and then you go out and people boo the hell out of you. The and then you're like, oh, we're still the greatest band. I don't care, <laughs> but, um, you know, and then, you know, and then you find your way and, uh, I put a deadline on us though. Like before name hit, I was working on that album. I was working on it really hard. And because I was like, well, if I don't, if I can't make a living making music um, after this record, I got to go back to school and get a job and grow up, you know, because I was approaching 30 Uh and um, you know, but thank God the song worked.
1: And boy did it. I mean, that's one of those ones, and, you know, and I hate to be like, it's one of the big hits, but there is something about that song, I forget who I was talking about this with recently too. Certain songs, I find that there is some magic in there, timeless magic. Like, yeah. oh, is you know, I, I knew who I was talking to, it was Jacob Dillon,
2: because oh, oh. it's the
1: 25th anniversary of uh, Bringing Down the Horse, and which of course horse had one headlight. And I feel the same way, like when that song starts, the, the guitar part, exactly the same way when name starts, like yeah. time and place, I'm there. Yeah. Anywhere, you know, it's there's something magic in that song. That
2: whole album is magic. I, I I love him. I I such a such a great guy and and so talented and like what a voice. I love I love it. You know, he's he's awesome, man.
1: You know, and speaking of songs with um very distinct sounds, uh, this one isn't on the rarities compilation. It's a B side for you guys. It was uh, Lazy Eye on the uh, yeah. the Batman and Robin soundtrack. I went back and listened <laughs> to that one recently. Uh, a soundtrack that's much better than the movie uh, these days. It's unfortunate if you're going to be a part of a Batman soundtrack that it happened to be that one. But the soundtrack, I, I still think is holds up really well. But that song, speaking of sounds, has so many, like, that's the sound of that movie in a certain way. Yeah. yeah. Like, how did you do that?
2: Well, we were like, okay, I want to write something that's going, that fits fits the, the mood of the film, you know? So you, so you get to see the film or you got, you got to see pieces of it and you got a real vibe of the darkness of it or whatever they were trying to achieve. And I just kind of just started writing to that. You know, I wanted something up-tempo, you know, minor-y sort of tough sounding because I thought, it fit, I thought it fit in the film, you know? So, so I, 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 I love doing soundtrack work and I haven't done it in a while. But I love I love putting songs together specifically for a project because you have all your subject matter right in front of you Mm -hmm. and then you just have to choose your perspective. Like, who who am I going to speak for here or what am I going to say about what's going on here? You know, or, you know, and that was the thing with Iris. It was like, well, what would I say? If I was Nicolas Cage in that movie, what would I say to Meg Ryan? How would I feel? What would what would that be about? You know, and uh, and then it and then it naturally sort of flows.
1: You haven't done soundtrack work in a while, but uh, you know the 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 more recent stuff. Uh, Transformers that was Transformers was good too. Okay. You had a couple on that one. Yeah, and, uh, and, those. yeah finding Neverland. Uh, if the world turned upside down, I think was a handful of years ago. There's a couple I've noticed that even in the digital. The streaming world now where everything is available there's still a few that I think you have to hunt down the physical pieces for uh treasure planets uh being one of those that, that I'm still my here
2: First solo thing
1: oh is that right yeah and then um and then the uh was it uh real from the uh, the olympic thing yeah like that yeah
2: I forgot about that song
1: yeah there's there's a few of those out there that if you're the like I'm sure the hardcore fans have really had to find the uh, the physical pieces for still
2: yeah, I don't have any of that stuff. <laughs> you get, I swear to God, though, if you came into my house, you would be like, and you like, the idea is guess who lives here? Like, what does the person do that lives here? You'd be like, uh, I don't know. They work at a bank, maybe, or, or they, not a rock star house. I don't, yeah, I don't have any gold records hanging around. I don't, I, I have a piano and an acoustic guitar, you know, just because. You need those things in case you get an idea in the middle of the night. But sure, yeah, my home is very like it's all gone. There's nothing, <laughs> none of that world is
1: in here. That's a separation for you. Is that uh, like on purpose?
2: Yeah, I mean, well now there's now there's toys strewn all over the house all the time because we got a four year old. But yeah, I like to keep it away from home. You know, um, um, you know, and and I have I have a, a big box of stuff. If I feel like I want to go look at it, if I want to go look at all my accolades, you know, I have a big box of that stuff down in the basement. My wife saves it and my sisters archived a bunch of it. And, uh, you know, uh, but I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel the need to display it. Sometimes I need to go look at it when I'm feeling really sort of like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I, I have no idea what's, what I'm going to do next. I'll kind of go dig through some of the old posters and 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 the stuff that we have and, and uh, some memories about that, and I'll talk to a few people, and and then that just that just fires me up to get back in the in the ring, you know.
1: You you uh, you mentioned you have a four year old. Um, have you shown your four year old? Uh, have you let him to listen to the uh, the Elmo duet of uh, of Pride yet?
2: You know what? Uh, I haven't done that with her yet because like, <laughs> I want her to be able to actually. I mean, she's four. She understands it, but um, no, I haven't done that yet. But I'm looking forward to that. And um, you know, she's she's um, she's interested. She doesn't really she doesn't like when I play guitar and sing. Yeah. She gets all embarrassed, you know. And uh, but she loves coming on tour with us. She loves it. Loves to ride sure. big bus. Uh huh. She likes to go to catering because she knows she's gonna get dessert. Yeah, she's,
1: she's, she's an awesome kid for what it's worth uh that version of uh of slide pride uh it's still fun to listen to i, it I just kind of forgotten about it. it's a fun one to listen to
2: yeah you know and that was one of those things too it's like you know i grew up listening or watching sesame street and um and you know it it meant so much to be asked to do something like that because it's like you know, without without Sesame Street, I mean, a lot of kids wouldn't get preschool. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way, you know, they, and uh, it was it was really influential in my life, and 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 to be asked to be part of that for for a few minutes was really amazing, just amazing. And you know, once again, it's one of those things. It's like, could I see I don't know certain certain very serious, intense rock stars doing it? I don't think you're going to see Nick Cave on. Uh, <laughs> on sesame street anytime soon but it was fun to do it you know
1: i would love to see nick cave on sesame street there's I there's gonna it, be some lessons in there it's <laughs> I bet it would be awesome
2: i bet it would be incredible it would be great <laughs>
1: there was a I, have you ever have you ever especially with that song because i can't think of any more uh instances like drop those alternate lyrics in a regular live show just to see if anybody <laughs> would get it
2: no, yeah, yeah, I have, I have, I've, I've thrown a few lines and, and yeah, people have gotten it and it was like, well, oh, it's funny, people are funny, our fans, our fans, we have this really strange relationship with our fans, not strange, but it's just like, you see, sometimes you see some of the same people and, and it really becomes like, like an extended kind of family in a way, it's like, it's really funny, it's like, hey, I know you. Yeah, you know, and I'll say something from the stage. Hey, what's up? You know, you've been to like 50 shows. How are you? you know, How you doing? Next next show's on me. That's always my big line.
1: <laughs> I mean, all the best bands, they've got those families, those traveling families, you know, mm-hmm. that's uh, you know, and they, they manifest themselves these days in Reddit groups and Facebook groups and stuff like that. And then you've guys got a passionate one. I mean, I keep yeah. up with them.
2: And you know what's nice about, you know, I loathe social media. You know, when I want to say something, I have a guy that I call or I, or I text him and I say, can you post this for me? Because I don't want to see anything on social media. I don't want to, I don't want to see anything. I don't want to know about it because it just, it just gets, it can get into my head and I, I don't need that. So, uh, so I have this guy do it. But, but what I found interesting in a positive way about social media is that's how a lot of these people got together. You know, and and they've formed real friendships, and it's and it's and it's fun to see everybody. Else. Oh, so big night out this summer, you know, and uh, that's a good feeling. That's a good feeling.
1: I'll tie it back around to the uh, the main subject at hand with the uh, the rarities, because you know, compilations like this for your your longtime fans, your hardcore fans. I mean, the this is the stuff. Besides a new album, like this is the stuff I know that they they sort of live for musically. You know, this is the stuff they they look forward to yeah Uh, finding this stuff out i mean and and again you know there's a few things we didn't hit on i mean you've got a a really fun quick version of take me out to the ball game that wraps up the whole thing (laughs) yeah that was
2: that was my only cringy moment because i was like we got hired by major league baseball to do a version of take me out to the ball game and uh you know we're all baseball fans so who's not who doesn't like baseball sure but uh so we were like hell yeah we'll do it you know and uh and they paid us which was incredible at the time we got paid yeah, we did that. And I, I thought we worked up a pretty cool version, you know. But uh, you know, my manager really wanted that on there. Pat really wanted. He's like, "It's cool, put it on there." And I was like, "Okay, fine, but put it
1: on last." Put it at the end. Put it at the end. <laughs> it was fun because I really wasn't paying that close of attention to the track list too much as I was listening to it, so I didn't know that was about to hit. And yeah. it's that moment where he stopped and was like, "What? What? Okay." I know we're doing this right i
2: know it's it's kind of like yeah it's an odd one but
1: um. no it's fun stuff and there's fun stuff all throughout here i mean uh you know long way down i didn't mention that one of course end up on the twister soundtrack and and on and on it is a really cool way i think the press release kind of says this in a way um it's like an alternate version of what could have been with all of these songs and i I love hearing that you know yeah it's a lot of fun
2: yeah it, it was interesting i mean if you like you know the acoustic numbers it's like you you know, I always try to make an acoustic version of something before I go into like full production mode with it, because I, I truly believe if a song can hold up with just a guitar or a piano and a vocal, then then it'll do well after it's produced, you know, yeah. but you got to be able to sit around a campfire.
1: Right. Playing play that song, you yeah. So this will all lead, as you said, to an album that uh, looks like a 2022 release. Is that what the plan is?
2: Uh, Finally, again, we decided for, you know, we had to decide in April whether we were going to do a tour. Right after we said, right after we were like, no, we got to postpone just for the sake of everybody, you know, safety and all that. Um, Yeah, everything just opened up and we were like, come on, man. But (laughs) it'll be okay next year.
1: That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to, especially the way you've been talking about this. I mean, the way you described what you guys are doing musically right now, I'm, I'm on board. Uh, I enjoyed the last one. I mean, you know, not, not sliding that one in the least, but uh, oh, I,
2: love, I love those records, you know, but they were made in a, in a certain way. And I, I, I just felt like it was time to reincorporate some of the older style of doing things, you know, old methodology, really. Mm-hmm. you know. And the material is completely different, but, but, but the method, methodology of, of, of creating this mostly analog
1: recording, you know, and,
2: you know, um, and, and using a lot of old school technology. You
1: know. One foot in the past, one foot in the future. That's one
2: foot in the past, one foot in the future. You know. Not a
1: bad way of doing it all. I can't wait to hear it, uh, Johnny. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it. And again, uh, in the meantime, the rarities compilation, we got that to listen to this year. Uh, thanks, man.
2: It was great talking to you, man. Uh, I hope we get to do it again
1: soon. Absolutely. We'll do it on the uh, on the next round.
2: On the next album.
1: <laughs> All right. Take care. Right. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. That was just back in 2019, the last time I got to catch up with uh, Johnny Resnick and Robbie from the Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, this was uh, a rundown of the stories behind uh, that year's Miracle Pill record, an album uh, lyrically built on hope and connection with a side-eye on the political landscape at the time, uh, we get to hear how uh, Dizzy Up the Girl lent a bit of inspiration to that album's direction, their penchant for anthems, uh, the difference in marketing a band uh, nowadays as opposed to their first tour in 1989, and having artists like Snail Mail and Soccer Mommy covering their songs. So part two of Kyle Meredith with the Goo Goo Dolls.
3: Hi, how are you? Congrats on this record, guys. Thanks. It feels like it's our 94th album. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've been doing them for a little while. That—that's for certain. Uh, um, although, as, as I read about this one, it, it sounds like there was some extra momentum going into this because what you—you you went straight off the road. Like there was not a lot of downtime uh, and, and went into writing this record. If that's true, what's the advantages to that? And, and maybe why did it happen this way?
3: I think it happened because we were doing the Dizzy Up the Girl tour, like a 20th anniversary tour. And, uh, we played the album in its entirety. And I kept every night when we were doing it, I kept thinking about, Oh, I remember when we did that. I remember, I remember how we did this. I remember what happened that day that we were cutting drums on that, whatever. And, uh, I don't know why, but the, I just kept I just kept thinking about the process of doing it. And then um, for some reason at the end it felt like a door had closed on a certain era and and it was time to open a new one so I wanted to do that as quickly as possible. At least in my own mind. I mean I'm always gonna play songs off dizzy up the girl, but, but you know, it it felt like there was a certain kind of closure to it and it was time to, you know, create something new.
1: But still with those thumbprints, uh, Robbie, I think I'd read you talking about having Recorded some of this record at you know Capitol that uh, you know, where you've been in before that it was hard not to have a little bit of that past you know kind of seep in.
4: Yeah, yeah. You know, we spent a lot of time in that building, man, and uh, you know there was I, I mean uh, to me at least there was something about kind of being in there again that I don't know there was like a familiarity in the process, but but the process is so new. Like you know the, even even the re- the process of recording is so much different now than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago when we were holed up in there. So, you know, I mean, it was a great feeling, you know, a great familiar feeling, but at the same time, everything felt so new and and, uh, and, uh, exciting, I think.
3: What a much different sort of place in the studio, too, when it comes down to the production of the album, because, you know, we've gotten more heavily involved in that, you know, like actually working on the sonics of the album, I have a very strong opinion and a, a big rack of old vintage recording gear, so it's like, so we, you know, very much so in the, in the actual physical process of making the album, uh, there was a lot more hands-on stuff going on and a lot more experimentation.
1: You can hear that. I mean, it's, um, it's a very modern production. And, and, and I point that out because, you know, for a band that's been around over 30 years, not everyone's able to kind of adapt in, in that sort of way. Uh, I don't know if that kind of brings <laughs> its own challenge in in itself, because it, it does. I mean, you can hear the Goo Goo Dolls in this. And, and you know, if you listen, you, you can hear what you need to hear from whatever era that you need to hear, uh, you know, as a longtime fan or everything. But it still sounds like a record that could have been, you know, from any brand new band produced right now?
4: I mean, to me, it sort of feels like, you know, we never stopped making records, you know? So it wasn't like we had to, like, figure out at one point how do we bridge this gap between, you know, name and, you know, what records sound like today, you know? Like, we just sort of moved along uh, Uh, with it. Yeah, so, you know, it didn't didn't feel like any seismic shift or anything like that, you think, John?
3: I think the people that I chose to collaborate with are very different than, than people that I, that I like, like, you know, you get, get into a room with somebody and I start, I'll start playing an idea on the guitar, tick, 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 you know, usual thing, humming a melody, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. And, and then they listen to it and they go, hey, what about doing this there? And feeling like, bam, I just got blindsided was something that, I, that I'd never in a million years would have thought of to do myself. So, so it's like the collaboration at its best is when when you are surprised by something that you hear and you know Sam Hollander is very Sam Hollander's been been around for uh, as long as as long as we have I think in different ways but uh, he was just somebody that I always wanted to get together with and, and somebody who I who I I absolutely love the guy now I mean we we had we had a great time working together but um, you know the the. The point of the collaboration is like I sat in a room by myself for 20 years writing songs by myself. And, I'm, and then I just sort of was like, well, I need some fresh blood to work with, you know, yeah. so, so it's a lot of fun getting together with him and, you know, a couple of the guys that I've known for years and working in that way.
1: I start to listen to the songs. The record starts off with Indestructible, uh, and I'll, I'll tie in a couple of the other ones, uh, songs like Fearless and Lost. And I don't know, At least my perception, I started looking back, and you've always had a penchant uh, for, I don't know what you call it, the anthem,
3: uh, I guess? I'll take that. No, I just like a big hook, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you know, when we were, when we were out doing tours in vans and, and, and the music I was listening to at the time, a lot of Husker do... And I remember listening to an an interview with Bob Mould and I'm I'm like some indie college radio station. And I remember him saying, you've got to have a hook. You've got to have a hook. And I'm a sucker for melody and, and big hooks. I'm like, I love that ever since I was a kid. And I remember going when Robbie and I were kids and we first got together, I remember saying, Hey, check out my new hit, (laughs) check out my new hit song and just like playing some ridiculous, thing, but um, yeah, I mean, I just love a big hook. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Even if I hear one on the radio in a lot of different kinds of music, you know, it's just like, wow, there's certain things that stand out in every genre of music, you know, and that those are the songs and the, the artists I tend to gravitate toward.
1: Well, you know, I'll take that idea, too, because, you know, uh, aside from the big hook, you know, when, you, when you're when you reaching out and a lot of these songs, it seems to be about trying to help someone in, in some way, you know, uh, whether it be advice or, or whatnot. And and as I, I, I get, and maybe you said this too, like a, one of the overall themes, or a couple of the overall themes is hope and connection, which, uh, again, when we're in 2019, that feels right. <laughs> that feels needed. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 I, mean, um, I mean, obviously our own lives and, and the world outside always sort of seep in, but we've always been a little bit cryptic about certain things Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah to be honest with you I feel the same thing that everybody else feels and and what I have observed is that for the the entirety of the 21st century thus far you know we've all sort of been dealing with a low-grade kind of anxiety and I really I really believe that our nation has been traumatized from 9-11 to two constant wars a financial collapse the, the racial divisions in this country, the, the, the rise of white nationalism. I mean, you know, and yesterday, seeing a baby girl on television being traumatized because, because they took her mother away, or they took her father away, excuse me. And I saw that image and that, that poor little girl crying. Robbie and I both have little girls. Mm-hmm. i just thinking to myself, what, what, what are we becoming? What are we becoming? That's not a political statement. That's just where the album ties back into. I mean, obviously not from that, but that particular soundbite on the news, whatever, but, but it, just, it just feels like everything's okay on the surface, but everyone I know is a little anxious. And the things that I need most in my life is, you know, hope and connection. That's what the album's about. Whether it's a song about missing a connection or making a connection and having hope. They might be corny themes, but they're important to me.
1: We well, you talk about anxiety, and I mean, it's been called the age of anxiety for all of those reasons that you're, you've kind of mentioned there, and and I mean, the easy draw here anyway is you know talking about medicine and anxiety, and there you've got the first single with miracle pill, you know, with um, you know person yeah. inundated by garbage. <laughs> first off, l- let me get off the serious <laughs> subject for just a second to say that music video. How long did it take to get the paint out of your eyes? I'm
3: still it out uh, of it my ears. <laughs> I couldn't get yeah, my ears. It's like every, like for days after that I would be like in the shower washing my ear and a big chunk of red paint would come out. I'm like, what's going on? Was like, what was that hiding?
1: It looked like a lot of fun, okay, but I I, but the cleanup itself, just that, yeah, I don't envy you.
3: We left. We were left. You know, because like you do videos. Unless you're Beyonce, you don't spend any, or Taylor Swift, you don't spend any money on videos anymore. So we know these two incredibly talented guys. They have a company, and uh, one of the guys, well, both of the guys, they were involved with the Blue Man Group, and they do photography, and they make videos and commercials and things like that. And and they're they're so much fun to work with, and and like they're so creative, and um, yeah. So so we do the videos for very cheap and you know and, and the one guy is kind of, he works for us in other capacities too and yeah uh, I was going to say
4: it. I was going to say I think that that's kind of cool that that uh, Dan who's you know one of the two guys that John's talking about he travels with us every day and kind of knows us so, like, it's a little bit different than walking in a room with a guy that, like, you know, you've met for two hours and then you go in and try to do a video with him. Like, there seemed yeah. to be, like, some kind of symmetry going on between us all because, you know, we spend so much time together, you know. So it was great having him involved.
3: Yeah, it was, it was it's really, it's just really fun to do that kind of thing. And, you know, I, th- I think that that's sort of something important about this, too. So just, I mean, you need, you need to have fun. I mean, you know. Yeah. Right. Even though we are living in the age of anxiety, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, and it's a nice juxtaposition, you know, because you you kind of tell that in the video, but it, but it is what you're singing about, and you know, and, and drawing those with the themes that kind of weave in and out of the record, you know, miracle pill, and and you know the words I have written down as inundated by garbage, and then you get money, fame, and fortune, and I think and there's some of that garbage right there. Yeah, as a band for over thirty years in, I mean, how far does the instant gratification world, fill from where you started, because to be an artist now, I mean, money, fame, and fortune has always been a part of it, and that's not exactly what I'm hitting on. I think I'm skirting two different kind of subject and themes here. But when you tie that back around mm-hmm. to your own career of how you have to present yourself, It it must seem worlds different, you know, in the Instagram world than than where you started, you know, in in 80-whatever, but...
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, our first tour was in 1989. We did it in a van, and, like, used to literally, literally mail people uh, stories, Like, like someone, we used to have fanzines, and, like, people would, or they'd call you on the phone, and you'd sit and do an interview like we're doing now, but then they would Xerox off 100 copies and put them on mailing lists, and it was... It's really interesting back then and and yes it's very instant now i was doing an interview the other day and and with a a woman in brazil and she was saying to me why are you not on social media and i'm like because i always get in trouble when i am on social media (laughs) so i can't control my mouth (laughs) like when it's when it's coming out of my thumbs when the words are coming directly from my thumbs i can't control
4: my thoughts i think i think most of the world has that problem they just don't stay off internet or <laughs> yeah. off social media i mean you I'll know i'll tell you one thing yeah. there
3: are days there are days where i wish i could find the plug for the internet and just accidentally <laughs> trip over it and pull it out you know so everybody can just Let's all take a deep breath and regroup here, okay? 8chan, uh, yeah. hey, calm the fuck down. Oh. You know?
4: Yeah, you know, You know. it's funny, like, Like. we just have this single that came out, Miracle Pill. It's been out for two weeks now, you know, three weeks, whatever it is. And like, in the old world of, like, radio, of getting your song on the radio, of getting people to hear a song from a record that's not even out yet, it's like, you know, no one would know that song when we go play, but when we go look at our back ends and our streaming numbers, like, Miracle Pill is like number eight of the songs people are listening mm-hmm. to by us right now, mm-hmm. like, like around the world, like that is a pretty positive part of what went on with this whole thing. You know, like, like you can find the, the, you know, the glimmers of like, of like awesomeness, you know, but like, they're so, uh, you know, put the off by where, the, But by the misuse, well, because like you can get to people right away, you know, if our band has something to say, I can reach out to 3 million people right right this second, let them know that we're talking, you know, like, that's amazing, man, you know, the instant, you know, the ability to get directly to people who who love what you do, like, you know, that's a great relationship to have with people, but certainly does come at a cost, though, I will say.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and. It's interesting because everything seems a bit schizophrenic right now because, because it runs contrary to what doing anything worthwhile is about. Because, I mean, those fundamental rules of things haven't changed where it's like, yeah, you have to be patient. You have to work your ass off. You have to be consistent. It takes a long time. Like it took us a long time to get anything going. And me and Robbie were out for eight, nine years before we were anyone would even look at us. And it was like, you know, and and then once we got, once somebody finally threw us the ball and gave us a record deal, you know, we had to, you know, we did everything we could to hang on to the ball and keep running. And uh, you know, it was like our manager when we finally. Had a successful album. He, he came to us and he's like, "Listen, guys, this is where the work starts. So keep your heads yeah. down." <laughs> and keep that, I remember that. I remember that so clearly. Keep your heads down and keep going. Yeah. Just, you know, and and here we are. It's since Maine, it's been decades 20, now. <laughs> 20, Twenty. It's been twenty-three years. And I'm just like. I let go of this ball. Well, and and it just, I mean, you you
1: do keep connecting with new generations over and over and over. And that says everything about the music that you've written. I mean, I I think I I saw this on your own, uh, the band's Facebook page and everything with Snail Mail and Soccer Mommy. Covering Iris, you know, and, and here you have two very yeah. young artists. I mean, that's that's everything.
4: Yeah, it is, man. It's beautiful, man. It's
1: pretty I love cool. It. I love it.
3: I mean, I I feel like very very grateful that like I don't know how I did it, but I wrote a few songs that <laughs> people still relate to, and that's like that's awesome. That's that makes me feel better than anything else, you know. And I try to still relate to people. I mean, it's like this album. I, Maybe not intentionally, but somehow wound up being like just, you know, at the end of it, when I looked at all the material, I said, wow, there's definitely some sort of a, a, a loose thematic premise. Um, you know, it's not a concept record, but but it does seem to be about hope and connections, various stages of, of all that kind of thing, you know, because I feel these things myself. I feel like I feel there's days where I feel like, man, if I could just take a pill and be everything I wanted to be you know, <laughs> or whatever, or, you know, and I think that, I think that social media and the internet and things like that are very much like people's quick fix, their miracle pill, but yeah. it doesn't work. And the answer to, to, you know, miracle pill is no, there isn't one. <laughs> there isn't, there isn't one.
1: Keep your head down and keep going. I, I was thinking back to, you know, one of your other songs with, uh, it, well, even just the two words, big machine, you know, and, and thinking that, mm-hmm. you know, through the eras when we're faced with, in one way, it's the same things over and over. It's just, you know, a different name that's that's sort of insinuating it, you know, the technology that we were afraid of in the late 90s and versus, you know, the social media that I, I too, wish I've had the same thing. I wish I could find the the, the cord around here just to hit the unplug you know, or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and and how often we're we're faced with that moment of just breathe deep and find that connection with another person, and and how that could change. And you know, it's and here we are again, though somehow. And um, but it's made for a good record. <laughs> good. Yeah,
3: thank you, I
1: appreciate it. I don't know what I was exactly trying to get at there, but uh, there, there's some kind of finality to it. <laughs> uh, it and, and, and you know, while I'm looking at the the track list, I also want to just quickly compliment a, a song called "Over You." I I think I keep kind of myself gravitating toward that one uh a, a little bit every time so just you know compliments there as well
3: thank you yeah no i like that song i was sort of like when when we wrote that i was like uh <laughs> i was like wow it sounds like a crosby stills and nash song you know Something, something like that, and I was, it was just, you know.
1: Well, it's definitely got a cool sound to it. I appreciate that. Gents, Thanks. it has been a, an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Congrats on Miracle Pill, and I'll mention again November 12th, uh, right here next door to the station at the uh, Louisville Palace. Uh, really looking forward to catching the show and uh, and for the release of this album.
3: Well, if you want to come to the show, I know a guy who can get you tickets. <laughs> <laughs> know a couple guys. I'm going to use that connection. I'm going to use that cheap, connection.
1: Cheap tickets. <laughs> cheap, Cheap tickets. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, I will see you then. Uh, Thanks for the talk and congrats. So all right. a lot. Thank you. And again, my thanks to Johnny Resnick. The, net, the new Goo Goo Dolls record is called Rarities, and sounds like we got one coming out in 2022 as well. Thanks to you for checking out this episode. Uh, please, again, hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we do wherever you're listening to, wherever you're listening to it right now, or the other hotspots like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, ACast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions. Again, wherever you get your podcast from. After that, Head over to WFPK.org. That's where I'm at every single weekday at 6 p.m. Eastern with an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along, and make sure to say hi when you do. That does it for another edition of Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.
2: consequence podcast network like every time i walk into a store or someplace and i don't have a mask on i'm like oh no i have about twenty five thousand of them so (laughs) every time i saw them i'd buy a hundred more
0: it's easy to hear your favorite artist on wfpk from wherever you are listen on your smart speaker live stream from our website at wfpk.org from louisville public media